If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to John chapter 20. Si tienen sus Biblias, abren a Juan capítulo 20. Como dije, en este servicio vamos a hacer algo un poco diferente, manejarlo como lo hicimos el servicio de Navidad. Uh, nada más vamos a estar cambiando roles. Entonces, eh, en esta mañana yo voy a traer el mensaje en inglés y el pastor John va a traer un mensaje en español después. Entonces, este, estaremos... Eh, en este mensaje totalmente en inglés y después eh, cantaremos unos alabanzas y después entraremos a un mensaje en español. Right, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to do what we did in Christmas and uh, we're going to uh, have uh, two different messages, one in English, one in Spanish. This time I will be bringing the message in English and Pastor John will be bringing the message in Spanish and uh, in that way we, we stay in one language at least for the time of the message. The other exciting thing about this is that I get to do the first message before everyone goes to sleep, right? I mean, everybody who's here at 6.30 is like, okay, come on, be quick, Pastor, be quick. All right, and I'm going to try to do a 15-minute message, and you know how hard that is, all right, for a Baptist preacher to do anything in 15 minutes, much less a message. My intro is never even 15 minutes, right? It's always longer. So uh, if you have your Bibles, John chapter 20, I'll try to stay within my time limit, uh, but John chapter 20 And uh, just to give you a little bit of context, John chapter 20, in verse number one, the story is being told about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. John is sharing with those that would be reading this letter that Jesus no longer is in the grave. And, uh, and it's, it's telling the reader that uh, Jesus has risen and the events that happened that morning. Now, it's only been three days since the death of Jesus. He was the leader of the disciples. He was a teacher, a well-respected teacher there in Israel. He was one that had proclaimed himself to be the Messiah. And he proved that with the miracles that he did. He proved that with the words that he shared and with the life that he lived. And, and it's been three days now since he died. Three days since he's been crucified. He was their leader. He was their friend. He was their savior. Sorrow had filled their heart and despair has begun to set in in the life of his disciples. Then Sunday morning comes and everything's changing. Suddenly news that the body of Jesus is missing. Nobody knows what happened to it. They just know that the ladies that went to go to the tomb are now saying his body is missing. Not wanting to believe it, Peter and John rushed to the tomb to see it for themselves. The ladies are saying an angel said that he is risen and he's no longer there. Peter and John said, well, we got to see it for ourselves. So, so they run. John stops at the tomb just to peek in, but Peter, he runs straight through. And finds that perhaps his worst nightmares have come true. Jesus' body is missing. Who took it? Where did it go? Rumors are beginning to swirl in the city. They're saying that the disciples stole the body. That they attacked Roman soldiers, which was totally against the law. And in the night when the soldiers were there guarding the body, they actually came and overpowered them. 
and then moved the stone and stole the body. This makes the disciples fugitives now. So Peter and John are in there seeing that Jesus' body is missing, hearing the news that it was them. It was them and nine other friends that went, these followers of Jesus that stole his body. They're saying that they're lying about what really happened. They're going back to their homes. They're talking to Mary. The mother of Jesus are talking to Mary Magdalene and they are saying, no, 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 he's alive. We saw him on the way back, on the way back to the city. We saw him. He is alive. They're thinking, I don't know. Peter and John said, we went to the tomb. There was no angels for us. I'm sure people are asking them, hey, Peter, did you hear about Jesus? Was it you? No, it wasn't me. Well, well, you know, Mary's saying that she saw him. Do you think that's true? I don't know. I went. I, I didn't see him. I, I traveled there. I, I traveled back, and he never appeared to me. Didn't appear to John. None of the other disciples saw Jesus, just the ladies that were going to the tomb that morning. So now they're a little bit worried. They're scared. Their leader's gone. His body's missing. They're saying, we committed a crime and stole the body. And then the people that we trust, the people that we've known are saying they saw him. But he didn't show himself to us. What do you do? They're scared. What do you do in that situation? Well, the disciples decided, let's just lock ourselves in a room. It's only a matter of time before the Roman army comes. I mean, let's hide. We got to start planning how we're going to get out of the city. How are we going to prove our innocence? I mean, how, how do you prove something you did not do? So they're locked in a room thinking about what do you do? You know, it kind of reminds me of that day. I don't remember what day of the week it was. I just remember it was my senior year, September 11th. You remember that day? I remember because Coach Redmond, who was my history teacher, walked into class that day. It was early in the morning, probably around 9 o'clock or so. And uh, every day in history class, every, uh, at the end of the week, every Friday, we had to turn in a report of a current event. So we had to scan the news and see what was happening, what was the current event, and, and write a small report and turn it in. And I remember Coach uh, Redmond walked in. He said, guys, you're not going to have any trouble on Friday with a current event to write about. He said, a plane just ran into one of the Twin Towers. Now, it was really early. It was when the first plane hit. And I think Coach thought that it was just simply a navigational error, that the uh, pilot just maybe lost control or, or something like that. We, we really didn't think much of it. There was no video of the first plane hitting, but there was of the second. By the time the second plane hit, we knew this was not an accident. We knew there was something purposeful, and I remember they canceled classes the rest of the day. They brought in a television set, and they, they turned on the news, and for the rest of the day, we were watching. As all the news media said, I don't know what's going on. We're being attacked. 
terrorism has landed on U.S. soil. And all these lives have died and the towers were going down and more than 2,000 people died that day. And I remember that night, everybody just asking, what is going on? That's what was happening in the lives of the disciples. What do you do when that happens? What did Jesus do? That's what I want us to notice in John chapter 20 and verse number 19. Later that day, that Sunday, Jesus did something. Now I want you to read it for yourself there in John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, peace be unto you. We had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. I want you to notice that the first action that Jesus took was being with them. We see the presence of Jesus in that moment. You see, there's one word that's really key in that verse, and I want you to, to see it. It's somewhere near the middle of the verse, almost to the end, right after a comma, it says that they were assembled for fear of the Jews, and then the word says, came Jesus. That word, came, is the Greek word, erkomai. There are many words in the Greek language that mean to come, but the word erkomai specifically means to come by your own will. In other words, to make your way somewhere without being invited, without having to be told, without having to be acknowledged. It, erkomai means going of my own will to somewhere I've not even been invited and they're not even aware I'm going. I'm going because I want to go. It says, Jesus, that day, in the midst of all the fear and all the confusion and not knowing what to do, on that day that he resurrected from the dead, he came to his disciples. He gave them his presence. Not invited, not acknowledged, he came to them. So what did he come there to do? Number one, to calm their fears. Verse 19 says, they were fearful of the Jews. All right. The government was after them. It wasn't a conspiracy. The government was going to be after them. And in the midst of that, Jesus comes to them of his own volition, of his own will. Man, that can be a calming presence in your life today. If you have Jesus in your life, we live in a world full of fear. Isn't that right? So many things are happening. I mean, listen, you, you read the news. I, I've gotten to a point where it's really hard for me to read the news. I used to be one of these, I love to consume news, and I would be on Drudge Report and Fox News and CNN, and I would just try to, try to eat up as much news as I could. But man, it's getting more and more difficult to just read the news, isn't it? It's like there's more things that are just fearfully happening. I begin to think and worry 
as a 39-year-old father for my kids and thinking, what kind of world are they going to live in? I mean, what are they going to do as followers of Jesus? It just seems like the world is full of chaos. You say, Pastor, as a 39-year-old dad, what are you going to teach your kids? To be aware of Jesus' presence. See, Jesus' presence in your life can calm your fears. Jesus' presence in your, in your life can, can make all the difference as to how you feel. How you face an uncertain future. The resurrection of Jesus brings a calmness to your life. Those that believe on him have his presence. And it calms your fears. It reminds me of a story that I, I heard of a, of a taxi cab driver that was driving and uh, as he was driving, he picked up a passenger and uh, they went a couple blocks and the passenger was, was going to tell him where he could stop and, and he tapped the driver on the shoulder. As soon as he tapped uh, the driver on the shoulder, the driver went crazy. He started screaming and, and turning the wheel. He's ah! And he's just going everywhere and, and uh, luckily missed about three cars and, and didn't turn and he didn't hit a post and, and, and barely missed uh, any accident on the road and, and finally corrected himself and, and get back into the, the normal driving lane. Of course, the passenger was even more scared. I mean, he was now just completely white. And uh, wondering what had happened. And he said, hey, sir, I, I'm so sorry, Mr. Driver. I, I did not realize that I was going to scare you so much by just tapping you on the so shoulder. And uh, the taxi driver said, no, 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 no. Listen, I'm sorry. I got to be honest with you. He said, uh, this is the first time I've driven a taxi. He said, for 25 years, I was driving a hearse. After 25 years of driving dead bodies, you never expect anything to touch your shoulder, right? Oh, man, but when you have someone there to calm you in your fears, it's just a different story. There's no going crazy when something happens in your life and, and taps you. There's no losing it. There's no confusion. There's no fear because, see, the presence of Jesus takes that all away. But not only did he calm their fears, we, we find that Jesus was abiding with them. In fact, if you continue to read the passage, you find that they offered him food. In fact, he asked for food. They thought he was a ghost. They thought the presence wasn't really him. It wasn't real. It was just maybe a figment of imagination. Maybe, maybe it was something that they just wanted to believe in their minds, but wasn't real. Maybe it was just a dream. And Jesus said, no, 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 listen, I, I'm, I'm not here just so you can visibly see me. I, I want you to be able to touch me. M my presence is more than just a positive thought. It goes far beyond that. I'm here to abide with you. In John chapter 14 and 15, Jesus is talking to them before the cross. And he says, listen, I, he that abides in me, I will abide in them. And now three days after the cross, Jesus says, I'm still here to abide with you. The first action that we see that Jesus does the day that he rose from the grave was to give his presence to calm, to calm the fears 
and to abide with his disciples. Notice, secondly, the peace of Jesus. Notice that he says in verse number 19 at the very end, peace be unto you. This was a word that was very common in Jewish culture. It was the way that people said, hi. They wouldn't say hi, they would just say peace unto you. But it has a deeper meaning here. Because see, before when Jesus would say that, he was saying as a Jewish culture, you know, I'm hoping that you are having a peaceful day. But now as he says it, once he has been risen from the grave, now he says, listen, not only can you have a peaceful day, but you can now have peace with God. There's a peace of God that you can have, but you had that before. But what is different now is that you have peace with God. See, when Jesus rose from the grave, he, he broke the penalty and the curse of sin in our life. Sin separated us from God. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he paid for that sin. When he rose, he, he made it possible to have peace with God now. Now, what does the peace of God do? What does peace with God do for us? Well, number one, it strengthens our life. For the disciples, seeing Jesus and hearing him say, peace unto you, gave them strength. For before, with the fear, they were weak and didn't know what to do. Now, the peace with God and the peace of God has strengthened them to do what they thought was not possible. We find that a life of peace can strengthen you. A life without peace weakens us, deteriorates our bones and our health, our joy and our happiness. Oh, but when we have peace with God, that all changes. He changes our sorrow into joy. He changes our weakness into strength. It's transforming. Secondly, it secured their doubts. What God's peace did for the disciples in this moment, it secured the doubts that they had. They'd been hearing all day, he's alive, he's, he's risen from the dead, and they're going, maybe. I haven't seen him. I haven't touched him. I haven't heard him. But now Jesus appears to them. In the moment when they're the most afraid and the most confused, a resurrected Savior comes to give them peace, to secure their doubts. To say, you, you don't have to think, well, maybe. No, no, no. You can know. Now, this morning, we might not see a physical risen Savior, but we know he rose from the dead. These things I write unto you, said John, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, now we have peace with God. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Because we've made, been made peace with Christ, with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand. 
and rejoice and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, when Christ rose from the dead, he brought his presence, but he also brought his peace. And I say this morning, if you're going through your life and you say, man, I'm missing something. There's something about this life that I'm craving. I just, I haven't found it. Can I say you're probably not going to find it in your job and you're not going to find it in doing activities and events and vacations. There's only one place to find what you're looking for and that is peace with God. That's only through Christ. Let me tell you something. When you find peace with God, you find a purpose for, for life that you've never found before. You'll feel a strength that you've never had in your life before. There will be a security in you that no matter what this world does and no matter what happens in the world, listen, I'm secure in who I am and what God will do. It's a peace with God and a peace of God that surpasses our understanding. And I say, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's really hard to describe to you what I'm saying. It's something that's only felt when you come to him by faith. It's, it's only something that you can really have and possess when you come by faith to Jesus. This morning, if you've never done that, I want to invite you to make that decision. A decision of peace in your life. A decision of God's presence in your life. Time's getting away, so let me give you the third thing that Jesus does. The prescription that Jesus gives to his disciples. This prescript is a commission to go. He tells his disciples, now go and share this message. What message? One, that Jesus rose from the dead. Well, why should that matter? Why do we give that message anyway? Because it's that resurrection message that brings peace into a life of a person that's at odds with God, a person that's fearful and confused in life, a person that is searching and lost. It's a resurrection that gives the presence of God into our lives to face any circumstances, any situation. Jesus says, now go. Jesus wasn't asking for a favor. He was given a charge. Amen. Said earlier this morning, listen, anyone who gets good news wants to give good news. Right? Yes. Every grandparent says, I'm a grandparent, and you want everyone to know that you're a grandparent. Right? Have a niece that's having her second baby, and today posted on their Facebook that. They're having a boy. Finally, where's Jim and Sarai? It's their first boy after like 18,000 girls. They're having a boy. And you know what young moms do when they're pregnant? We post it everywhere. Right? Because there's just some news you just don't keep to yourself. Good news, you just, you got to get it out there. And Jesus told his disciples, there's a good news I'm giving you. Now take it. Take it to others. But not only does he give a commission, he gives the authority for that commission. 
at the very end of this chapter, he, uh, he tells them that whatever sins they forgive are forgiven and whichever sins they withheld from forgiving are unforgiven. And what's interesting about that, some people believe that, oh, that means that they must be priests that forgive. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. We don't have time to get into it. Time's already getting by. But in, in the Greek, you'll find that what Jesus is talking about when he says those words, he's talking about authority. In other words, I'm giving you the authority to give that news. Now, I think we're old enough, hopefully, to understand how the news media works, right? Every reporter is supposed to have a source for their story, right? You can't just make up any story you want. I, maybe in today's world, there's some that do that. You're not supposed to do that, right? Every good journalist and honest journalist has a source for their story. They, they have inside information. They have someone that was there. They have a witness or they have something that corroborates their story. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm giving you my authority to take this good news. The news of forgiveness to others. I'm giving you a charge. And let me just tell you how serious that is. That if you take it, People can hear how they can be forgiven. But let me tell you something. If you take that news and you never say anything about it, they'll stay unforgiven. That's why Paul said, how shall they know if they never hear? So that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So important for us today. A world of confusion and a world that just seems like don't know where it's headed. World of fear. What we celebrate today is what can change it. I'm not talking about a new president or a new system of government or righting all the wrongs in this world. I'm not talking about that. There's something more important than that. And it's what's happening in your heart. That's why the resurrection of Jesus matters. That's why when we see what Jesus did, it makes it that much more amazing. This morning as we celebrate, we're celebrating the presence of Jesus and peace with God. And we're celebrating the fact that we've been sent to go and share it. This morning, if you've not received that peace, make the decision. But secondly, if you've received that good news, can I challenge you to share it? Share it this week. Don't leave it just up to Sunday. Sunday is too short of a day. This week, let's share the news that Jesus rose from the dead. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for what you did that day. Oh, Father, it might seem to some in our world like it's just a religious day that we have today. We just kind of celebrate maybe going to church a little earlier or dressing in these lavender colors. But, Father, it's so much more than that. Father, we celebrate your resurrection. Because of your resurrection, we have peace with God. Because of the resurrection... 
we can enjoy your presence. Father, because of the resurrection, we have something to say and something to share. Oh, Father, I pray that this week we share that news. Father, I pray that if there be one this morning that has never come to Jesus, that has not known that they can be forgiven of their sins, that Father, if there's someone here who has yet to receive Christ as their Savior, I pray that today they would make that decision. As the piano plays, I just want to take a moment. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I've never accepted Christ as my Savior. Man, I've heard that message so many times. Or maybe this is your first time that you've ever heard that. That Jesus died for you on a cross because you and I were sinners. Because we broke God's commandment and the penalty of sin is death. But you see, Jesus died on a cross for you. He paid the penalty of sin so that he might save us. And his word teaches that all who believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you've never made that decision but you're saying, Pastor, today I want to make that decision. I want Jesus to be my Savior. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. Is there someone that says, pray for me, Pastor? Then perhaps this morning you're saying, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I'm one that has received that good news. Would you, would you pray for me, Pastor, that I'd have an opportunity this week to share that news? To share the good news that I received one day that Jesus died and rose again, that this week I would share that. Is there anyone that says, just pray for me, Pastor, for that? Raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Father, you've seen our hearts, but you've seen our hands. Father, I pray that you would be with us this week. Oh, that we would be a light in this dark world, that we would be a people that would not receive good news and keep it to ourselves, but, Father, that we would share it, knowing in whom we have believed, knowing what it is that we have received, and, Father, that we would do that in your peace and by the power of your presence. Fill us with your spirit and lead us throughout this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.